previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. And then there was like a lawyer for the Lerner family and she, he's introducing us and he's like sort of excited like this is these are girls are from Minnesota and they're they're here for that jingle fest and the, the learners are like uh-huh yeah uh-huh <laughs> so uh, get away from me. Previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. And then there was like a lawyer for the Lerner family and she's, he's introducing us and he's like sort of excited like this is, these are girls are from Minnesota and they're they're here for that jingle fest and the, the learners are like uh-huh yeah uh-huh. <laughs> get away from me. Previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. And then there was like a lawyer for the Lerner family and she, he's introducing us and he's like sort of excited like this is, these are girls are from Minnesota and they're they're here for that jingle fest and the, the learners are like uh-huh yeah uh-huh. <laughs> get away from me. Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. First and foremost, happy Groundhog Day, everyone. And we have another full house today. Say hey, everyone. Hey, hey. Hey. That's right. We got Chuck, Simon, and Roxy. The house is full. Now, first and foremost, is it actually Groundhog's Day? Is it Groundhog Day? Like, what? Do we know what this is officially? Or I know. Hog, isn't it? Or is it yeah. belonging to the hogs? Hmm. I, I don't know. Well, there are multiple groundhogs that pe- around the country that people refer to. So is it hogs, groundhogs, think... to be inclusive of all of them? Or I, is, I, is it, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's Groundhog that... Day. Groundhog. Once yeah, I mean, it would be a Groundhog Day. Oh, right. all right. Well, I didn't know if this was like a koala, koala bear thing. Should we get Bobby on it? I don't, <laughs> I didn't know if this was like, maybe you could ask him. Is it Groundhog's Day or Groundhog Day? I think it is Groundhog Day. You're right. That's the movie? Is that how it's Yeah, that is the movie. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Yes, so yes. I think, I think, then I think we should go with Groundhog Day. Well, anyway, happy Groundhog Day. And also, let's not, of course, we should definitely acknowledge Black History Month is upon us. So we're excited about that. We have some other stuff for our tiny little suggestion, which we'll get to later about that. So my question is, which groundhog do we go with? Do we have a preference here? Because I, there's I quite a few. There are quite a few. Now, you go with this one from the movie, right? Roxy, is that what you do? What? How do you say his name? Punxsutawney Phil. Punxsutawney. Something Phil. Okay, I can't say Tony Phil. I, I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Chuck, which one do you go with? Oh, yeah, that's the only one. What? Chuck. All right. Yeah. Simon? There's no other. Everybody else is. A oh, I go with Fred. Fred. Wait, where's Fred? Wait, which yeah, one's, where's uh, Fred? Fred? Fred the Groundhog. Uh, where? He's in Florida. He's, um, you know, he's kind of chilled guy. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm being serious because that's not on my list. This is I, the first I, I, no, I, I didn't know there was more than one groundhog anyway, as if I oh, knew the sure. name. Oh, did you just make that up? No, I'm being yeah. serious. All right, well, first of all, <laughs> no, all right, hold on, hold the phone. I roll with Staten Island Chuck, of course. Come on, Staten Island Chuck. Chuck, how much wood did you chuck? In <laughs> chuck? That's a good point. Okay, well, no, let's, let's, let's go over these real quick. So we've got, I think, Roxy, this is one of your favorites, Sir Walter Wally. Yep. Sir that Walter name is brilliant. Raleigh in Raleigh, North Carolina, 
We've got Birmingham Bill in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. We've got Buckeye Chuck in Marion, Ohio. Now, that one I'm a little offended by because we have multiple Chucks here, which we do on our podcast, so I guess we should be okay with that. <laughs> but we've got Buckeye Chuck for Mr. Tony Beeson and Rupesh Sharma out there in Ohio. We've got French Creek Freddy. He's in French Creek, West Virginia. We've got Woodstock Willie in Woodstock, Illinois. We've got mm-hmm. Chesapeake Chuck in Newport News, Virginia. Now we've we've actually been in Newport News a few times, right, Roxy? Yep. Yeah, that's that's actually a cool town. Uh, we've got Chuckles. Chuckles. Why are they called Chuck? I uh, like Chuckles too. That's a good point, Chuck. <laughs> well, Wait, we got is Chuckles. The groundhog the same as a woodchuck? Is that why? Yeah. No, it's different. No, no the same. Chucks? That's a good point, Chuck. How many Chucks are there? There's me, There's you. Way too many. We've got Chesapeake. We've got Buckeye. Wait, we're not done yet. We've got Chattanooga Chuck. How about that one? <laughs> well, that's a good uh, one. That, that's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Now, Chuckles is from, I think we could call him Chuck for short. That one's in Manchester, Connecticut, up near yep. where Roxy's from. Yep. And then, this is kind of my new, my, this could become my favorite. The last one we have is Jimmy. Just Jimmy. He's just called Jimmy from Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. So... <laughs> And what are the what are the what's the accuracy? Or do they all agree beforehand? Like, hey, we're gonna go with this. Like, that's how what I'm wondering. So here, you. This is what I do. I refer to Puxatani Phil first. If he yes. sees his, if he sees his shadow and says we have six more weeks of winter, I move on to see what Staten Island Chuck says, and hope sometimes. <laughs> Chuck well, what if they in disagree? Staten Island says, well, sometimes they do. And then I'll go with the one that brings me closer to spring. <laughs> well, uh, so I right. feel like those other guys are all strange. It's like, the, it's like the Santa Claus thing. You know, there's really only one. And everybody else is just They were four. Reaching. I, they're reaching. Gonna, I think it started with Puxatani and everybody else got pieces of pie after. Like, yeah. You know, this all goes back to like Puxatani, maybe the city. I don't know. I think I that's know. where it all began. How is there more than one Santa? You're telling me that <laughs> <laughs> there's more, like there's like other versions of Santa. There is, about? There's, there are his helpers, I think. They're yeah. helpers. They're helpers. There is only it's one Santa. Magic. Let's he's not a, confuse him. He's a groundhog magic. He can be everywhere. <laughs> there's a Santa in Philly called, you know, Sally Santa. And there's a... Well, <laughs> Santa Chuck. So we're going with Ponca Satani is the... the, the... No. Oh, for Wait. crying out loud. What? How do you say it? Say it again. Punxsutawney. Okay, so no. that's what we're going. I'm close enough. That's the devil that's, version of it. Yeah. yeah, it sounded like it. Wow. That's what we're going with. He's the official. Well, he can go bite me because he saw his shadow and ran back in his hole today. So that means we have freaking more winter, right? Is that what that means? Six more weeks of winter. Oh, I can't handle that. I just can't handle it. I don't really get it because isn't spring the same date every year? Are we talking about the weather gets better? And if I'm not mistaken, it is six weeks from today-ish that is the first day of spring anyway. However, some years, winter lasts a little longer. It It goes beyond the first day of official spring. And sometimes spring blooms a little sooner. So I think that's, it's more of... It's more of just what the weather's going to do to us in the next six weeks. So let's move on. really a groundhog guy, sorry. But the movie's great. (laughs) You're more of a woodchuck guy, right? Yeah, Halloween, woodchuck day. 
All right. So real quick, we have uh, we have to start with an email. Uh, it's addressed to Roxy, so the three of us will just ah. hang loose here. But it says it's referring to the shoes uh, that Alvin Kamara wore on Christmas Day and her grinding shoe her gate. gears. And it, shoe gate. Oh, we're, that's right. We're calling it shoe gate. Okay. It says th- uh, this is from Rupesh Sharma in Lebanon, Ohio. He says, I am sure the shoes have to match the team colors. I remember in 2002, Peyton Manning wanted to wear black shoes to honor Johnny Unitas after he had passed away. The NFL said they would fine Manning $25,000 if he did it. Now, I don't remember if he actually did it or not, but he also wants to, he says, also remember that a lot of people say that NFL means the not fun league, which we agree with that. That's true. That's ridiculous. (laughs) So anyway, thanks for the uh, email. We have one quick update. Simon, Mm. you saw the Dangerous World Tour. That's the answer we were looking for. When you saw Michael Jackson in concert, it was the Dangerous World Tour tour wow we do, yeah we do our homework here at the loyal littles podcast so how did what you looked up singapore concert in the mid 90s michael jackson is that how you uh, did it? i didn't use all of those words but yeah pretty much i think i just did like michael jackson tour at 1993 or whatever you said it was wow. so impressed yeah so you're, you're, you're welcome so now you can go tell everyone hey i, I saw the dangerous world tour the dangerous um, world tour got it got it yeah yeah and then uh real quick we wanted to give uh melancholy happy trails it was a sad moment yesterday dustin diamond passed away i was actually going to reference today it was the today's anniversary in 2014 actor philip seymour hoffman died who's one of my favorite actors uh yeah of an accidental drug overdose remember that 2014 yeah he died at the age of 46 and uh Oh my gosh! I remember sitting in my apartment, just I, I just sat there. Shocked. I just, it was, it was almost like when Robin Williams, same thing. Oh. It was. It I'm had that still kind not of over that one. It. Yeah, nope, nope. but we've lost another one, and I mean, look, we all know Dustin Diamond wouldn't be on a one of the paper in his obituary, but and he had some major problems in his life, but yep. he started off. I mean, he was a child star again, and uh, he dies. He's 44, yeah. and uh, he died of cancer. It's re- really sad. I mean, he just. Had a lot of problems in his life. Roxy, we actually got to hang out with him one time, and it was a lot of fun. He, he was a, a, a good guy. I mean, he just treated us like we were friends for life. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, we, we went to see – he was doing the uh, parody show Saved by the Bell here in the city and off-Broadway. He actually was cast in it, but not as – Screech. Screech. He actually, they created a character for him, and he played the janitor of the school. And it was kind of stunt casting type of thing, but he he embraced it, and he really encouraged the kid that was playing his part in the show, who did a great job, by the way. He had screeched down to a T. And we got to hang out with him after the show, and he just, uh, it was kind of a funny story. Now, we met up with a, well, I wouldn't say a friend, but someone you went to college with, right? Yeah, so we were in the lobby, and I saw this girl, and she saw me, and we ended up chatting, and it was someone that I did go to college with. So we just kind of reconnected that way, and come to find out, she was dating Justin Diamond. So (laughs) You were like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And she's like, like, "Uh, Justin's my boyfriend. Right. So it was kind of funny. We went, we watched the show and then the two of them, they actually invited us next door for a drink. And so that we got to hang out with both of them. And yeah, I mean, he's, he was such an interesting character, an interesting person. And so it was, it was really, it was actually a really fun time. With All Dustin I can Diamond. remember is he just kept yeah. buying us drinks. He just kept force feeding <laughs> us. He's like, Hey, have another drink. Hey, have another drink. Right. No, but really, I mean, I know he went through some rough times in his life, but he was really a nice guy. He and, seemed uh, like a very generous yeah um, person yeah. yeah 
So rest in peace, Dustin Diamond. Gone too soon. 44. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. crazy. We're going to get to our Meet the Little segment, and we just want to do our tiny little suggestion first. And as we referenced earlier in the show, it is Black History Month. And so our tiny little suggestion for this time is we want you to just go to the, the Baseball Hall of Fame website. They have a great schedule of stuff over there. It's baseballhall.org. If you're listening to this to the day it dropped, which is Tuesday, later today at 3.15 p.m. today, they have virtual voices of the game, they call it, and it's they're doing Remembering Hank Aaron with Brian Kenny. It's hosted by Brian Kenny, and uh, that should be pretty great. So that's today, Tuesday, February 2nd, 3.15 p.m. If you're listening to this later on, uh, later this week on Thursday, February 4th at 1 p.m., they have virtual legends of the game, Barry Larkin, Hall of Famer. And so he'll yeah. be doing stuff over there. So they have stuff all month. Go go to baseballhall.org, check the schedule. It'll all be out there. And then you can link to some of these really cool programs they have for the whole month of February yep. for Black History Month. That's our tiny little suggestion. All right, guys, let's get out of here. We have a great guest, as always. Now, listen, we've got a little we've got a little homework assignment for you. We're going to meet the Littles, and you two, I want to know, see if you can come up with a haiku before we come back, all right? That's your homework assignment. That's your hint, Littles. Here we go. It's time to meet the Littles. We'll be right back. Maybe there's something inside being shaken awake I never felt such desire never felt such an ache Putting my mind on its side Pulling my skirt down my waist And telling me how much you love The way I feel and taste I got more than I came from I think you do too So let's not stop until no one can tell me apart from you I got more We are being played in today by Emily Danger and this song is called Shaken Awake, and it's off her EP called Less Blue. So check her out on iTunes. You can also follow her and reach out to her on Instagram, and her handle there is at Emily Danger. So once again, this song is called Shaken Awake. And as always, we'll play the full song at the end of the podcast. All right, all you loyal Littles, it is now time for our favorite segment. It's time to meet the Littles. It's our pleasure to have this guest today. We have Shad from D.C. with us. Hey, Shad, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, Shad, we've done a little homework, and we have a little something prepared for you. Roxy, if you would. (laughs) Welcome to the pod. Greetings from Chuck and Roxy. Tell us your story. I am... (laughs) Listen, uh, um, plagiarism is the highest form of flattery. We worked all night on that. Come on. No, we did. I have always felt that the high two tent is uh, is very large and everybody is invited in. So, <laughs> oh, Thank you. Well, in all seriousness, Chad, what we like to do here is we usually just turn it right over to the guest. Introduce yourself. Tell all the littles something about you who might not know who you are. I know most littles know who you are from the big show and uh, just tell us whatever you want to let us know. 
Okay, let me just start rolling, I guess. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Shad, Shad from D.C. In the rest of my life, I am a college professor. Some of you may know me from my work in the cannabis field. So uh, if we want to talk about that at some point, we can go down that road. I think probably, I'm, I'm going to kind of start at the beginning. So let me say one thing. I hate sports, though so it's kind of <laughs> odd that I became a, a fan of this person. Um, but um, I, I love Tony's style college. And that's what got me to the show. Um, the only sports I really like are kind of like horse racing, baseball, box. I like sports that are dead and dying and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, my involvement in the show, uh, like I said, I started uh, probably day one in 1992. I think it was WTEM, 570 AM. Um, I do remember Greg Garcia operating the board. I do remember when he handed it off to Gary Big Time Braun. But a lot of my involvement was work-related. When I was able to be in the office at a certain time, I was heavily involved with the show. And there were many, many years when I, I just wasn't involved with the show. I guess maybe one of the things that people want to know is, well, you know, why do you write to the show and stuff like that? And let me get to the core of that. And then we can talk a little bit uh, about how the haiku developed uh, as sure. I got into the show and stuff. I believe that, well, at least for me, I'm not going to speak for anyone else on this planet, but for me, uh, there are two words that can uh, describe why I write to the show, and that is affirmation baby. Um, <laughs> uh, and damn, too bad it's six syllables, because I'm telling you, that would have been the best third line of a haiku. I would have had thousands of them that would have ended affirmation baby. And we can talk. <laughs> Listen, I think Tony is a very smart person. I think he is a creative person, and I think that, uh, at least for me, again, I'm only speaking for myself, I simply wanted his acceptance. I thought, well, you know what? If a smart guy thinks that I'm smart or I'm creative, that's, that's what's going to drive me. And, you know, and that was always, and I'll get into this more a little bit later, and some of my criticism about the show and certain callers and, and, and certain types of emailers but I always felt that Tony kind of respected the, the emails and the callers that challenged him. You know, the that's why I love uh, Gene McManus. That's why I love Liz Clark. That's mm. why I love David Aldridge, because they simply don't, and, and Gary, and, and, and so many others that don't accept Tony at face value. But those were always the kind of um, uh, callers and the, and the emailers that I I always respect it, you know, so I wanted to, I wanted to get in on that. So my start with the show was actually calling and sending in some faxes. So let me talk a little bit about the faxes first, and then I'll talk about the call. <laughs> you're, you're, you're way aging yourself. We might have to like post a oh, thing for all these young oh, listeners. <laughs> well, I'll tell you some funny stories about this. Well, one thing about the faxes, I used to send them in and, and listen, the other thing that I loved about the show was the immediacy of radio. And it's why mm -hmm. I just don't do the podcast now. Literally having something read that you had sent in minutes before. And there were times, in, for those of you that are not old enough, Google this up, um, where Tony had a thermal fax. And literally he would say, in, when I would fax in my haikus, and the haikus were always in the same format. They're in the format of a memo to Mr. Tony or to Doctorate of Humane Letters. Um, on Tuesdays, I always put uh, Mr. Lori. Um, that's uh, Cookie Reynoso. Uh, I can tell that story as well, why we call him Lori on Tuesdays. But I literally would fax things through. And it, like I said, in the form of a memo to from all that kind of stuff. And Tony would read it as it was coming out of the fax. Oh, here's the first line. 
Yeah. All right. Here comes the second line. To have you <laughs> see like that was was just it was just amazing. I mean, it was like, oh my God, I've altered radio here. So that part to me was really attractive. So I first started off as faxing, and what I did. Again, for those of you not old enough, you're going to have to Google this up. But Matt Groening, before he became famous for The Simpsons, yeah. uh, was the creative genius behind a wonderful um, uh, cartoon called Life in Hell. Can, if you go look at these old cartoons, you can see the, the genesis of The Simpsons in there. Uh, I took one of his cartoons. I believe it was on the death of Richard Nixon. And it was one of the characters sit, uh, just standing there with a tear in his eye. And there was a table with a photograph on it. And it was a picture of Nixon. I whited out the Nixon. And every time somebody <laughs> famous died, I would fax that in and put some representation in the picture. So I remember when uh, Maurice Richard, Rocket Richard, again, Google it up, people. He's a hockey player from Montreal Canadiens. Um, when he died, I put a little rocket going down. When Minnie Pearl died, I put a hat with a little price tag on. That was kind of my first thing into the show was to, to do that. And Tony would sometimes mention them and not. And I was cool with that because I, I knew they were smart. And that's how I got in. But I also wanted to call. So in the very beginning, I'm, I'm talking 92, 93, there were only about five or six callers that called in. And again, these were the regular callers. And my right. God, they were good. They were so damn good. There was one old guy that used to call in. He would sing. He was clearly drunk early in the morning. But everybody, <laughs> listen, and if there's ever a debate, and there should never be a debate about the greatest of all time caller or emailer, it is Ronnie the Cop, people. Ronnie the Cop, because Ronnie <laughs> the Cop got up and show. Ronnie the Cop, because he was such a damn good uh, caller. He got a radio show. Come on. That's wow. it. Wow. Greatest of all time, Ronnie the Cop. So I was, you know, I, I couldn't compete with these people. I mean, they would go on. They would talk about sports. They would talk about other things as well. So I kind of got in because of my connection to the University of Arizona, class of 85. Thank you very much. And in the early part of the 1990s, um, Arizona would get close to that NCAA uh, men's basketball team. Oh, sure. Just fail. And I remember, boy, did I catch grief when um, I, I am going to swear now. So if you have some children there, you may want to turn. <laughs> um, Steve fucking Nash. Oh, my God. That son of a bitch. I believe um, it was it was it was a California team he played for. They were a 15 seed and Arizona was a two seed. Two seed. Yeah. They lost in that first round. I think it was the first two seed to lose to a 15. Funny story, a buddy of mine, after that game ended, and that game was a West Coast game, ended about two in the morning, my phone rings, and all I hear on the other end is loser, and then he hangs up. 15 minutes later, loser, and he hangs up. I'm so pissed. I know exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's what, uh, hey, listen, that's what sports is about, is abusing your friends. Every <laughs> For the next four hours, loser. All right, first hour, I'm totally pissed. But then after that, I'm absolutely cracking up. He was a humongous, uh, he still is a New England fan. So uh, I'm so glad Tampa Brady is doing well. Uh, <laughs> when the New York Giants beat New England, when, when New England had been perfect that season, yeah. I did the same thing, starting at 2 in the morning. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> for six hours, though. I kept well, that's up. great. 
So back to the story of Steve fucking Nash. So Tony, so my kind of in on the show to call in was Arizona. All right. So this is how the haiku develops and how she had almost got fired because of Tony Kornheiser's show. So I knew he, he cared about Arizona. And every single time that I would call, he would ask me about, he'd say some comment about, aren't the women real attractive there? Aren't they real attractive there? You know, and I would always kind of just kind of blow it off and say, yeah, yeah, that was very pretty and stuff like that. I was calling about something different. So I remember one time I was going to call and I, I knew he would ask me about it. So I, I literally was going to prepare for this call. And I've tried to do this even with my haiku, even with um, any other types of things that I did. I always wanted to kind of insert a musical lyric in there or something that maybe only a couple of people would get. So one of my favorite artists is a, a gentleman, again, Google it up, people, uh, is Nick Lowe. Uh, Nick Lowe, uh, uh, Cruel to be Kind, maybe his most famous song. But he has a song. It is absolutely has the world's greatest line in it, at least to me. And, and maybe this tells you a little bit why I like haikus. It is six or seven words, and it absolutely perfectly describes a, an action that I have done myself and I have seen. And the line is, uh, when a person passes and attract another person that they find attractive, and kind of what happens at that point in the line is you stop, check, turn and double back. And I just think that's brilliant because it's <laughs> you stop, you check, you turn, you double back. And for those of you on News Channel 8, he was just demonstrating that for us. So that's great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so I was going to use that one because I knew he was going to ask me about Arizona and stuff like that. So I, I called up. I got to the kind of the end of the call and he said, you know, those girls out there in Arizona, they're real pretty, aren't they? And I said, I said, Tony, you would stop, check, turn and double back at least twice a day so hard you could cause yourself permanent neck damage. <laughs> I got Tony to laugh. I got my little affirmation. I'm like George Costanza, you know, leave on a, leave on a high note there. I got him to laugh and I, I hang up the phone. So I'm sitting there in my office and I worked in a very small office of about three or four people close enough that we could call each other from our offices. And I get a phone, I get a call from um, my boss and she says, Hey, Shad, can you come in here for a second? And I said, sure. Yeah, no problem. And stuff like that. So I walk over to her office. Uh -oh. Can you close the door? <laughs> I'm like, uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> close the door situation is not a good situation here. So she says to me, she says, so um, I just got off the phone with my husband. I said, okay, that's interesting. And he just got home and he was driving in the car and he was listening to a radio station and said that he just heard somebody named Shed from DC describing how attractive the women are at the University of Arizona. <laughs> and she reminded me that I work at a all female single sex uh, college at the time. And that talking about the attractiveness of females on the air, even though it did seem to be fairly innocuous in the way I was doing it, was probably not a good idea. And I agreed with her. And she said, I don't think you should call the show for a while. And that was the last phone call I made. That was the last phone call that oh, I made. Wow. And so I had to develop something. So I was listening. Listen, it's very strategic. Tony allots a certain amount of time for the mailbag. All right. Yep. I, I'm not going to take up a big chunk of that time. I figured my best way in was something short. And most of yep, my short and sweet. Is short. Listen, there was a there was an old emailer. 
I don't even know his last name. I think it was Joel from Iowa or Joel from Indiana. One of those flyover states that I don't care about. No, no. I, I care about all the states, people. He goes by Marley Kiss, and he said it best. Get in, get out, be funny. And you know what? That, that has always been my deal. Get in, get out, yeah. be funny. And you know what? I like the emails that get in, get out, be funny. I like the ones that are smart. Mike from Burke, Virginia, I think he's really smart. I think he needs an editor. He's a little like uh, Quentin Tarantino. Somebody's got to, you know, reel him in a little bit. <laughs> but um, more than that, again, I like the emailers and callers that challenged him. It's easy to be a Tony Kornheiser sycophant. All right. It's right. easy. To me, that was always kind of low hanging fruit. You know, I, I, mm. I never really wanted to go that direction. I was more interested in, and again, either trying to challenge him or trying to make him laugh. And so when it comes to the construction of the haiku, I always was looking for that third line to be the punchline. And I, I would even actually say them out loud because sometimes, you know, I can, get, I can jam 17 syllables into three lines and make it five, seven, five, but sometimes it just doesn't work. And I can tell, I could tell with Tony the way he would read them. So I, I actually would kind of think of a bit of a cadence, but the, the third line had to be the, that had to be the line. That had to be the line right. that laugh or made him go, oh, wow, that, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to look at it. Well, so. we'll, actually, we'll actually get a little bit more into that. Uh, but let's, uh, before we take a quick break, so you, you obviously mentioned Arizona. Is that the, that was where you went to undergrad school? Yes, I did. Class of Arizona, uh, class of 1985, University of Arizona. Detroit, Michigan, but uh, Arizona and then uh, graduate school at the University of Maryland. Oh, nice. And what were your majors? Uh, I was a business major. Uh, originally started out was going to manage a hospital. Uh, I was uh, kind of raised by my grandmother and uh, watched her uh, um, slowly uh, drift away via cancer. And uh, mm. I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to run these hospitals a lot better than the way they ran that hospital for my grandma. Originally started out mm. as a hospital administration major and moved over to business administration. Pretty good at going to school, so I went straight into graduate school. And while I was in graduate school at Maryland, because I was poor, they said, you can be a teaching assistant. And I sort of, you know, I had no desire. I didn't want to teach, didn't want to be a professor, didn't want to do any of that. But you know what? It was one of those things, the first time I walked into a classroom, and they were all looking at me and I, I had total control and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't afraid, you know, people were like, Oh my God, don't you worry about talking in front of people. I said, if you're thinking about that, don't be a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> you got to want that. Uh, to me, I think all good professors or all good teachers are rock stars that don't have any musical talent. And if you've ever listened to my 1877 uh, uh, series on Jerry Negrelli's website, you know I have absolutely no musical talent. <laughs> I have such poor musical talent that I, I, I tried as a kid. I can read music. I started out on the trumpet. The teacher said to me, literally, you can do much less damage uh, on the French horn. My problem was not playing loud enough. I played loud all the time. My problem was I played poorly. And I didn't hit the right notes. He would always say, besides missing the notes, you're not playing the right volume. And I'm like, well. And he said, why don't you move over to the front? <laughs> and his thing was always, come on, Chip, get your hand farther up the bell. I can still hear you. <laughs> I can still hear it. <laughs> yeah. um, have you ever tried or thought of to write lyrics? Uh, sure, 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 sure. I mean, listen to my 1877 crap. Yeah, well, all right. But, yeah. Lyrics? 
guess. Well, I mean, that's talent, obviously. And that's, you know, especially if you're writing lyrics for songs. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You're not musical, but that is a big part of it. So there you go. There you go. You're I'm just trying to pat you on the back. There. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, let's do this. You can stick around, right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back because we've got lots more to talk about, obviously. And uh, we'll be back with Shad from DC. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. And we are lucky enough to be chatting today with Shad in DC. And uh, he's telling us all different kinds of stories, a lot of old stories. And we're loving that because we haven't had too many of those. But we do want to get into your stuff that you're, you're that you're teaching at school and stuff. Where, where are you, Professor, at? I'm, I'm a professor at uh, Anne Arundel Community College. It's a community college located just outside of Annapolis, Maryland, about 30 miles here from D.C. Nice. And because uh, you actually sent us a little clip, and that was really interesting. Could you go into that a little bit? That Where, where was that interview? How long ago was that? Uh, that interview was uh, either last, I guess, not last summer, about 18 months ago, I guess, on Maryland Public Television. I do public television, uh, and that, that was on State Circle. That is a public television show here in the Maryland area. And uh, Jeff Salkin is the, uh, is the uh, individual that interviewed me, and he's interviewed me a number of times about my course. Listen, it wasn't too hard. My mom and dad might have raised ugly children, but they didn't raise a bunch of fucking uh, back around 2013, 2014, my students just started talking about cannabis. Uh, it was all over the place in the news. It had been legalized in Colorado. I think Oregon and uh, Washington were just on the verge of uh, potential legalization there. And then there was a television show on CNN called High Profits about two of the dumbest people on the planet Earth that somehow fell into a cannabis license uh, in Breckenridge, Colorado. And they were there when it went from medical cannabis to uh, recreational, or as we now refer to it, adult use cannabis, and uh, just kind of followed them along. And my students were watching the show and asking me about it. Can we do this? I was teaching a small business management class at the time, and it absolutely, I kept saying, sure, why not? Move to Colorado, but uh, absolutely, follow your dream. so right at that time, I had one of my former students come back to visit me, and a, a young man named Tyler Wells. He had graduated about 2008, 2009. This is maybe 2013, 2014. And he comes back to visit me, and I ask him what he's doing. He said, geez, my life totally changed. My dad got sick. He got the cancer, and I had to go take over his farm. I said, what are you, you're a farmer? And he says, yeah, my dad growing um, artisanal lettuce in California. I have no idea what artisanal lettuce is. I think it's like arugula or something like that. And he said, um, I converted my dad's farm to medical cannabis. And I was like, oh my God, my mm. kids are asking me about this stuff. You have to come in and talk to them. I'm just about, I was literally about 10 minutes away from teaching class, the, this small business management class. And Tyler was like, oh, Mr. Ewan, I can't do that. You, uh, you're, you're good at standing up in front of people and talking. I can't do that. And I said, you know what, Tyler? You ever seen the show um, uh, Inside the Actor's Studio uh, with James Lipton? I'm going to be James Lipton. You are going to sit next to me, and all you have to do is look at me and answer my questions, and I will guide you through this process here. Well, he comes into the class. It's amazing. I mean, they are completely engaged. Everything from the delivery, the growing, and and their questions are amazing, and they're focused, and, and, and... and even the guys are into it. And that's the big challenge in, in higher ed these days. We got, you know, 60% is now women, 40% males. The males are not doing as well as the females. How do you get them interested? Well, I had them interested on that. <laughs> uh, so 
the class ends at, uh, and, and I have to go teach another class, and the kids, they still have questions for them. So I said, Tyler, do me a quick, quick favor, man. Just stay five, 10 minutes, answer their questions, and uh, uh, safe travels back to Cali. Thank you so much. I go teach my other class an hour and 15 minutes, and I <laughs> walk by the, the same hallway. And instead of the 20 kids I had left with Tyler, there are now like 50 kids in the room. Kids were like texting their friends. Oh my God, there's this a marijuana grower here. He's, he's answering questions. Come down. We're in room 255 or something. And wow. I literally stood outside the room. And if there was ever a light bulb went off above my head, that was the moment. And I said, you need a class. They are freaking interested in this. It's educational. It's a new industry. We don't yeah. know what's going to happen. It could come to Maryland. We don't know. Um, they were talking about it at the time. And uh, that, was the, that was the birth of the class. It took a while. I face headwinds all the time, like we say in the cannabis industry. For every two steps forward, there's one back and one sideways. Joe and Kamala may uh, deschedule or reschedule cannabis, but what we need to have it do is descheduled, and that's part of the Controlled Substance Act. And if you want to take my class, that's BPA 227 at Anne Arundel Community College. <laughs> Everything is sales, people. Everything is sales. Yeah. Uh, and that has been the third line in a number of my haikus. Everything. Right. So go, go a little bit more into haikus. When did that start exactly? Well, it, again, it was in... in, in, in <laughs> <laughs> my boss telling me not to call the show anymore, but I still got gotcha. involved in it. And again, I, I, it was a, it was a strategic calculation. And listen, I, five and seven syllable lines fall out of my head. I don't know why. Most of my best haiku are, are done within 30 seconds. And most of the time, at least back in the old radio days, and what had Neil, uh, Neil from Rockville had described, uh, you know, that immediacy of sending something in and having it read in the next segment and stuff like that. So most of the time, the first line would be something that Tony had said, and I would get that into five syllables, I'd then construct a middle line there that would set up the third line, and the third line would be the punchline. That's a little inside haikuing. I don't know if people really care about that, but um, no, I used to literally sit there when I was listening to the show, and I would just rip off a piece of paper. I was doing work, you know, I was at work most of the time and, uh, and literally just jot things down and they would just pop out, you know, but again, it was more strategic from the standpoint. I don't want to take up a big chunk of the mailbag. Right. I want to leave room for some of the other folks out there, but I also figured, you know what? Mine's so short. They'll just insert it in there. They'll just, mm -hmm. sure. they'll just get it in. So there was right. a very, strategic nature to the haiku i had never heard it anywhere else it wasn't like it was oh i heard that on another radio show or something like that i mm -hmm. i can't really tell you why I, I mean i think i i knew what a haiku was i think i had probably done them before but to me it just seemed like all right here's a way in it's unique and i can make it my own and yeah. well i think it's funny that you say it that way but i mean most people know what a haiku is and you said most people won't care but it's funny with Littles, we do care because it's you and because you're the one that's gotten us so accustomed to them. And so we do love to know what's in that head and where they come from and stuff like that. Now, you were talking about the immediacy of the show. I know you wanted to bring up Bill Ahecka because that was a big part of that, right, with his site. Yeah, that that was. And I, I, have, I have mixed feelings about the Laheka site. And I, I had to kind of abandon it when when the cannabis class started because I had people basically chasing me down. I, I started appearing on radio. I started appearing on television. I did a documentary, uh, History of Marijuana, that appeared on the History Channel. 
And people started tracking me down and they would come onto Bill's board and I just didn't want to bring that into the board. So I haven't been involved with Bill's board since uh, 2015 when I started the class. But no, I, I, in terms of me, you know, you mentioned the idea of littles and middles and tinies and things like that. To me, there are two people that, that really have gone above and beyond. And that is Bill Lahaka and that is Jerry Negrelli. To me, both of them ha have transcended. I don't know why they do it. I mean, maybe they're looking for affirmation maybe as well. Uh, maybe they just needed a, a better way to spend their time or something like that. But I did, uh, it was nice on the Bill Lahaka board. I remember the first time I registered on there and the first time I made a post and Bill said something like, oh, he's old. And somebody said, who's this guy? is that the haiku guy? And, and Bill was like, he's really old school. And I was like, damn, that's kind of cool. I, I, you know, listen, the Heck of board was great for connecting with people. Rob from Arlington. Uh, listen, that is somebody I met on the Bill of board. Rob and I have played golf many times together. Uh, not just oh, at cool. single golf, but just on our own. So we made a connection beyond that. Uh, his sons are in baseball. They're a little younger than my sons and stuff like that. But we, we've shared many different things from that. But no, the board was great from the standpoint of, of a way to connect that, listen, I had a couple of friends here that listened to Kornheiser. I didn't know there was a whole world out there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, and that was, I didn't feel as much of a weirdo for being such a fan when I went like, oh my God, these people are really fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> And uh, real quick, let me, um, just because we've mentioned it like eight times now, we're referring to this website, stinks.com. That's the Bill Laheka site. So if you, if you haven't gone to it, you, you should check it out at least. Yeah, and I think Bill, he used to have some of the, uh, uh, you know, old recordings. He on does, it. he does. I believe he even has the Red 89 Hawk AOL uh, internet show which even though I was very, I had very little involvement during those ESPN years, it was too sportsy for me. And it was to me kind of the sycophantic era also of the emailers and stuff like that. But man, I did happen to catch <laughs> of the very, very few shows I caught. And I, I generally just caught the internet show and not the actual show. I did catch that red 89 Hawk AOL show. And Oh my God, I think Bill has that on, on, uh, on tape there. So uh, mm. yeah, go check out Bill's site, Bill Lahaka. There's a middle, uh, uh, Bill and Jerry uh, uh, fulfill that role. Well, and you mentioned that now, you don't really have as much connection with, uh, well, Jerry's site, let's re reference that. That's littlesongs.net. That's where sure. you get all his stuff. But you, you're not as connected to the jingles, right? Because obviously... Those... Well, I haven't done a jingle in about two or three years. Uh, right. Listen, Jerry... But you've done my... one. I mean, there's so many people out there that have tried and just never do it. Uh, yeah, I've actually had a number of them on the air even. So that, mm -hmm. that, that that's stunning because they're freaking stupid. Most of them I did one, <laughs> one with the Flint... I did like the Flintstones theme. That was the first one that got in the air. And I was like so embarrassed. I remember driving <laughs> a car and I heard it. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope nobody I know actually heard me do that and stuff. <laughs> no, but listen, Jerry is has been gracious enough to have me involved with Jingle Fest. And he has put me on the stage and he lets me do a couple of haiku. He, uh, and now that I do the Jingle Golf, we get to present the, uh, the Safety Hat of Excellence, which is right the fuck, oh, excuse me, is right here in my house because... We are the winners. Sorry, KJ. Uh, <laughs> I, love my, I love all the jingle golfers. I love well, all. Well, I'm telling you. Well, all right. So 
Roxy and I, we've never been to a Jingle Fest. We've been dying to get to, I've been dying to get to one. But oh. we're definitely, if they ever do it again, which hopefully they will, we're definitely going to make the effort to get down there. And like, even if we have to take time off from work. And I'm going to do something that ends with the line, uh, that ends with the word Uranus. And <laughs> Ed Budd is with me. Because that was, that was my favorite Jingle Fest. The one where I did about four haiku and they all ended with Uranus. And Ed Butt would hold up a sign that would say, this is Uranus or something like that. That that was pretty cool. I, I mean, I got to be honest. The one thing I find most interesting is, and I know you briefly touched upon this in our first segment, that, well, first you say you're not a sports fan, but then you dropped, you know, a couple sports and I've been to a Kentucky Derby and I referenced this oh. on another podcast that it's the greatest sporting event I've ever been to. I mean, oh. and I've been to some good ones. I, you know, nothing game sevens or anything like that but yeah my only argument against this and this comes from my mom and dad my mom and dad have seen heavyweight uh championship bouts mm. and both my mother and father and they've they've been to major golf events they've been to uh playoff basketball they've seen the kentucky derby damn i'm i'm jealous i'm yeah. real they tell Amazing. me that number one the three or four minutes before the bout starts is absolutely amazing, the, the kind of tension that's in the room and, and, and mm. stuff like that. But uh, I might argue that going to a heavy, but again, <laughs> I'm arguing for, a, again, another dying, <laughs> another yeah. dying for boxing. If you'd asked me years ago, what, what's going to save boxing? If you would have said, add kicking and make it more violent, uh, I would have said, no, that's probably not the way to go, but yeah. I could have been wrong there. Well, sure. When they when they come up and it's almost exactly what you just said, the two or three minutes. I mean, I already talked about this on another episode where you, you're there all day waiting and waiting. And there's our other races, but you're just waiting. And then when, when they do the whole my old Kentucky home and they're singing it in the parade, it's just it, there's nothing like it. I mean, like I said, I haven't been to a lot. I've been to Jeter's 3000th hit game. I've been to, oh. you know, some other really cool events. But that Kentucky Derby, especially during the race. And it's hilarious because obviously you're standing in one spot. I already said I didn't have, I wasn't in like a box seat or anything. I was in the first turn. And it literally is like 10 seconds, not even 10 seconds. The <laughs> horses fly by you, but the the sound and the the cheering and the crowd, it was just, it was like nothing I'd ever, like I said, I've never been to like game sevens and things like that. So I, I, I can't compare it to too much, but it was <laughs> just me, unbelievable. To me, the beauty of, of horse racing is the beauty of watching a horse run. Mm. Um, I've, I've had I've had the uh, uh, opportunity to get up close uh, to be where be in the paddocks and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, man, they are uh, it's uh, oh they're beautiful uh, creatures, absolutely. Yeah. Creature, yes, I know that we have bred them onto little itty bitty tiny legs to do this one silly thing for us as humans to run as fast as they possibly can. But if you've ever seen one run up close, it, it really is a stunning sight and stuff. So mm. yeah. But you had a question about my sports involvement. I play golf, hence yeah. the golf deal. Oh, that's what I was going to reference, actually. And I'm glad you brought that back up. We were just talking uh, our last one of our, I think last week we had Jason Fuse on and we were talking about jingle golf a little bit. And I came up with this. I, I'm sure I'm not the first, but I said to him, he, he, he ripped off two foursomes. And I said, what you guys need to do is take two of them away and then raffle off for charity. That final slot in those foursomes. I'm like. I bet you guys could make a ton of money for charity. I like to play golf with Robert Berg and Jason Fuse and Shad from DC. I mean, people I think would pay some money for that. I do. I have to challenge that slightly. I mean, really? <laughs> I know. I'm telling you though. I Littles have reached out to us. I'm telling you. Next jingle golf. If anyone wants to caddy for me, 
for me and I will pay you. I will pay you for your time. I will pay bucks to caddy 18 holes for me. And that's pretty damn good money these days. That is pretty good. I might even take you up on that. Wow. I mean, we'd like to play, actually. We're golfers ourselves. You know, we, um, and to get semi-serious for a second here, we were going to um, use the last jingle um, golf to raise some money for um, uh, Gene McManus. Uh, we were going to donate money for, um, in, in her husband's name. God, I had a, a, such a great conversation with him at, at one of the other Jingle Fests. It was the one in Bethesda. And I, I'm not really good with crowds. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny. I'm a teacher and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, but big crowds and, and kind of get me and stuff like that. So I had done my shtick at, uh, at Jingle Fest. I had, actually, I don't think I had, maybe I hadn't gone on stage yet. And I was just kind of waiting around. And there was an older gentleman sitting outside. Uh, in the lobby area, and I just sat down with him, and we sat down for over an hour talking, and I never asked his name, he never asked mine, and probably at the end of the hour conversation, he said, you know, who do, who are some of the people you like on the Tony Kornheiser show, and I said, well, I said, in particular, I really like Jean McManus, I said, I, I like how honest she is, and I like the fact that she's a writer, and well, and I love, I love Liz Clark. Because Liz Clark once went on TV, it was on C-SPAN, I know that's not really TV, and she read one of my haikus. It was a haiku about uh, uh, NASCAR. Oh. Oh, yeah. And she Affirmation, said, baby. <laughs> uh, she called me an author. She called me an author. I even, wow. I have that somewhere, like on a videotape from C-SPAN. <laughs> so I, I, I said to this gentleman, who I still had NASA's name, I said, I really love Gene McManus. I said, I just think she's so honest. He goes, that's funny. I love her too. She's my wife. And uh, at that Stop point, it. Yeah. And it was such a beautiful conversation we had. And again, it was it really, it, nothing, he didn't really listen to Tony. So we had nothing. We weren't really talking about my kids, talking about their kids, their neighbors, working on the house. I, it was just such a wonderful conversation. So I, when he passed, we reached out to Gene. I reached out through Ed. Ed Button and uh, Ed had had a relationship uh, via email with them and mm-hmm. asked if we, I said, please use the jingle golf. We'll, we'll raise money for you. We'll do whatever you want. And she said, you know, she actually emailed me and she said, Shad, thank you so much, but it's just too much. Just go play golf and enjoy yourself. And thank you so much for thinking about me. Tracy Hamilton, Liz, Jean, I think the best of those people. Yeah. And didn't mean to, but listen, that's, you know, 29 years of doing this. I've been doing this. Well, and listen, and there have been six, seven years where I did nothing. I was not involved with the show, didn't listen or anything like that. But considering this thing started 29 years ago, uh, man, that's a, there are very few things in my life that I've done consistently for that, that long. So, you know, right. impact. it's clearly had an impact. Sure. Well, we can't thank you enough for taking the time. And, and trust me when I say this, the littles are really appreciating these. They really are. And I came up with this concept to meet all you littles, because I think every little has a story to tell and to go in depth. I know you, you make it sound like it's the silly, oh, I write these silly haikus for this radio show. But trust me, I, I have been starting to get this vibe from emailers, things like that, that they do really appreciate the insight and the background of where these haikus come from. Well, Shad, we can't thank you enough for taking the time and everything. Now, I know you had mentioned a podcast that you're on. Do you want to plug? Listen, I do a podcast with Rosemary Wallace. She's Ms. MZ Green Jeans One uh, on Twitter. And the podcast is on Anchor and it is called Wake and Bake. And it is about cannabis and a lot about social equity issues in the cannabis industry. Love to have you listen to that. 
If you're interested in my class, BPA 227 at Anaroma Community College, love to see you in there as well. We are online this semester, so blasting out to the entire planet. But uh, that's all I got to plug for today. And you're also on Twitter, though, right? I am at Shed from DC. Follow me. Right. Yeah, it, of course. And it's gotten a lot less boring since we've had a change in administration. So uh, <laughs> a little bit more, a little bit more uh, uh, Tony Kornheiser focused, and a lot less uh, former administration focused. All right, and amazing. The one, <laughs> the one thing we do as an homage to the show, we'll get you out of here on this. I hope it's not too in too much of an imposition. Do you have a haiku for us for the fans out there? Uh, I'll share a haiku with you, and it's it's really the only one that I remember. And uh, Tony put me on the spot once. My son and I got a chance to go to the PTI show. Uh, we had a, a friend, a colleague of mine, somebody was associated with the show. It wasn't Bonnie or anybody like that, but it, and they got us a, a chance to go uh, uh, see the filming of the show. And my son and I arrived early, and I believe we did meet Bonnie on that day. And she said, uh, we're going to be doing the Karnak episode here today. Would you guys mind being the question readers? So my son and I on that day read all the questions. Oh, um, nice. And so we were in the studio, and afterwards, uh, you know, he, the, there's a, a place where the, the guests sit. There's about mm -hmm. six to ten guests at anyone, anyone filming, I guess. And he asked you, you know, who are you? And I said, I'm Shed from D.C. I've sent you. High. And he, he lit, talk about affirmation. I mean, he walked over me, he hugged me. He, uh, he said, oh, my God, you've made my life so much easier and stuff like that. And he said, do you have, do you know a haiku? So on the show that day, and I can't remember who it was, he had a hockey player. And I believe it was because the NHL was in a, a labor situation and this sure. was the labor representative and i can't remember who the hockey player was so the only haiku i ever remember is a haiku i wrote about my detroit red wings so i'm born and uh, raised in detroit michigan i left in 1981 i don't have a living soul left in the city uh, everybody there that's uh, uh, in my family is uh, is six feet under at this point in time or they've moved out so this haiku was for um, uh, my detroit red wing and i don't know if people know this but starting in the 1950s, there was a fan of the Red Wings. And you got to remember back in the 1950s, you only had to win eight games to win the Stanley Cup. All right. There were only two series. Oh, you had to right. For playoffs. Right. right. All right. Uh, and this gentleman in somewhere in the 1950s brought an octopus to the game and threw it mm. onto the ice. And it has become a tradition. Uh, yep. Indeed right to throw these octopus so uh the only haiku i've ever remembered and uh and when tony asked me it was so convenient that there was a hockey player in the room because it goes no score overtime the octopus in my pants is starting to smell oh no <laughs> well it is it doesn't get any better than that shad thank you so much we really appreciate the time well thank you so much i'm humbled and honored to be uh, asked and um uh and appreciate the, the opportunity to to talk about something that, uh, you know, like I said, 29 years. It's obviously near and dear to my heart. Thank yeah. you. Well, thank you. The pleasure was all ours. All right, all you loyal littles, we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. And thank you, Shad, for coming on. Those are great stories and the haikus and everything. So, Simon Chuck, you got anything? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I'm not a poet, and I know it. Yeah, yeah. Haiku is like five. Isn't it like five three five or something for five high- seven five? Five seven five. Yeah. Five seven five what? Words or syllables. Syllables. That was it. Now, syllables. Simon, just for the record, these are questions you should have asked before the homework assignment was due. <laughs> <laughs> Not after the assignment is due. You should ask that in the first segment. So anyway. All right, let's uh let's get to the news. All right, so Chuck. This is for all of us, but kind of you. This was uh, from the UPI on January 29th. A Kansas man, he's seeking a Guinness World Record for his collection of Kansas City chef's memorabilia. And he says his collection has grown to 643 pieces, and it has garnished international attention. Kurt Herman of Manhattan and uh, said he start. Oh, wait, is that... that- that's not the big apple. That's do we call that the little apple, Chuck? Yeah, that's the little apple. That's the little apple. Okay. The wee little <laughs> said, apple. <laughs> said, said he started collecting chef's memorabilia after the team won Super Bowl four when he was eight years old. He applied for a Guinness World Record in early 2020 to have his then collection of about 550 pieces of memorabilia officially recognized as the world's largest. I mean, it doesn't make sense at all. Like, why would anyone collect that much stuff? Yeah. yeah to get in the Guinness Book of World Records. Mm. And then what? Yeah, like And when... then gloat about it, <laughs> bragging right. Then you just like sell it all. Sell it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. and then make make some money. You know, yeah, this wouldn't even have been in the news if we hadn't if we weren't in the Super Bowl. Nobody would give two bleeps about it. That's yeah, probably right. true. <laughs> so Chuck, how big is your collection? <laughs> I mean, are you anywhere near this? <laughs> oh no, Chuck. <laughs> Are, are you anywhere near this? Because I don't even understand why this is news, first of all. I guess because he's trying to get in the game. He's, it's up to 643. He says it's probably going to grow more when they win the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. 643. And, uh huh. 643. No, I think I'm about, I'm maybe uh, up to six. 642? <laughs> six somewhere in there? No, just six. <laughs> six. My prized possession, Chuck, is a, is a box of Mahomes Magic Crunch. What? The, a breakfast cereal that came out prior to the Super Bowl last year, and I got a hold of a box, and they were going on eBay for like six hundred bucks or something like that. And I kept mine, and I think it's probably worth like fifty cents now, but because <laughs> since have come out with more, but that's what I got. That's my prized possession. Wow! <laughs> but if we don't win, no wait. If we do win, I'm gonna eat the whole damn box. that's gonna be my victory all right can you videotape that so we can put that on the uh twitter page chuck absolutely if you eat it okay so we have we do have one more uh news story but i also want to real quick it's kind of a homer shout out but uh i don't know if you all heard the news uh dustin pedroia decided to retire yesterday officially and uh we just wanted to acknowledge the i mean he brought us such good memories for the red Sox, and uh we have a lot of boston listeners on the podcast and can uh, i tell a quick story sure so watching him it seems like every single game that i saw him play in he was the first guy on the team to get his uniform dirty yeah he was scrappy 
He was not afraid to fall all over the field to make some great catches. He was not afraid to slide into bases. He worked his butt off. And I actually used to call him Pigpen because he was always the, the the first player on the team to get dirty. And I just, I loved his spirit. I loved how he would just go for it 100%. Every single time he stepped out on that field, I he was such an incredible player to watch. Yeah, and we actually got to meet him, which was kind of cool, because we, uh, Roxy and I were lucky enough, we sang the National Anthem at Fenway Park one time. It was actually, before he even knew we were singing the National Anthem, it was also, uh, Roxy, what was it called? It was just Fan Appreciation Day or something like that? Yeah, it was something like that, where, yeah. you know, fans and families got to go out on the the warning track and meet some of the players who would come out. So we, we also got to meet Brock Colt, who I also love right. um, and hopes, I hope he comes back to us, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I would hold your breath on that, but uh, yeah, but yeah, Justin, he, he was just a really nice guy and we wish him well. So before we do our next news segment, we do have a couple on this day in 1981 on February 2nd, 1981 late night with David Letterman premiered. Hmm. Now we've all seen him, right? Simon, you've yeah. been to a. I don't. I haven't been live. No, but like. Oh, no, I, you didn't. Oh. No, I never managed to go live, and I. Uh, I don't know why. I think my mum didn't like David Letterman, and therefore I inherited that. But uh, yeah. But also, when you first said that, I thought you said eighteen nine eighteen eighty one. I was like, there's no uh. way. <laughs> Maybe I did. I don't think I did. Nineteen eighty one. But I like. Wow, that that guy's been doing that for a long time. Because oh, uh, the reason I ask, because he we live like literally two blocks from the theater, kind right. of thing. No, I should have, but um, yeah, I never got around to it. You know? Yeah, Chuck, did you ever when you were here in the city? Uh, no, I think I maybe tried a couple of times. He used to do a lot of stuff, you know, out in the street. Yeah, right. I think right. I, I tried to kind of pass yeah. by one of those, but I never went inside. I, I, oh. I was more of a Jay Leno guy, but oh, Chuck. Um, well, we went a few times and had a great time. I I went a bunch of times, and it's always a good time. You know, Bill Hecka told us some good stories about his experience on Letterman. What some of the other things we had? Uh, 1913 Grand Central Terminal opened in New York City, so that's wow, hey. right? that's fun. And the most important one. 1962, eight of the nine planets aligned for the first time in 400 years. Whoa. Now, you know there's a Uranus joke in there somewhere, but we're not going to stoop to that <laughs> We'll save that, that, that for the bigs. It's we'll save that for the bigs. I really want you to stoop to that level. I want to know what the Uranus joke is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to leave that for PTI. Chuck, Our, I got a yeah. funny, funny thing to say about that. There, right down the street from... In between here and the great city of St. Louis, there is a Uranus, Missouri. And they guess what they make there? I feel like U- I know this. Go ahead. Uranus fudge. <laughs> what? A swear. Actually, it's a, this it's is a true. truck stop. This is true. And they have, you can stop there and get Uranus fudge. Ah. <laughs> oh, is it good? Does it taste good? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So good. See, that it's is, never that funny. I, I, it's just, I usually get with nuts. Oh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. We're, wow. we're taking this too, to too the next far? level. Too far? <laughs> too far. All right. Our last, our last <laughs> new segment so we can get out of here. Robert Borba, 28, was loading up his truck in a Walmart parking lot in Eagle Point, Oregon, when he heard a woman screaming. A man was stealing her bicycle. Quote, I wasn't going to catch him on foot, Borba explained. I just don't run very fast. He had his horse in a trailer. So he brought it out and rode to her aid. Borba caught up with the man who was having trouble getting up to speed, so he ditched the bike and ran. 
Borba, a rancher and former rodeo competitor, simply lassoed the man's legs with the rope, causing him to fall down. The man grabbed a tree to try to pull loose, but Borba simply had his horse, Long John, keep a pull on the rope to hold the man tight. He said he asked him, do you have a badge to do this? The man asked. And Borba simply took out his cell phone and called the police and held the man for him. Well, how? first of all, though, like, how did he, the per, the man stealing the bike clearly doesn't know how to ride a bike. Because I feel like by the time the rancher got his horse out of the truck, the guy should have been, should have been long gone. Like, he should have been long gone. So, like, what was happening? I'm trying to picture this in my mind. Like, what what trouble was this guy with the stealing the bike having? Well, it was a kid's bike. It oh, was is that what it was? Small kid's bike with training wheels on it. That's the only explanation. Oh, okay. I see. Because I was like, I don't know the story. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know. No, I got it. It didn't I got specify, it. right? Hmm. It must. It didn't. You're right. Yeah. So, like, it, it had to have been something like that because well, I feel like. like you know, penny farthing bikes. It could have been that. Yeah. That's tricky to get onto. True. Yeah. True. Interesting. Slow, slow. Oh, I don't, let's I let's don't talk more about the groundhog. Did we I, ever get to the bottom of that? Well, actually, okay. You know, you're not that far off, Chuck. So a groundhog is also referred to sometimes as a thick wood badger. But more importantly, what we said before, they're also known as woodchuck. Hence why so many of them are called chuck. Because Wait, wait. So you're, you're saying they are woodchucks? Yeah, a groundhog is also known as a woodchuck. Yeah. Oh. oh see, I didn't know that. I did not. I did know not that. know that either. Mind really? blown. So you didn't think the clue was that there there are so many of them called Chuck. You were like, well, that's... right? Yeah, oh. we were wondering about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. the brown pigs, whistle pig, monax, winged nuts. <laughs> what? There's a whole lot of names for these. Uh, for for right. wait for for groundhogs. Yeah, the groundhog is also referred to as Chuck, Woodshock, Ground Pig, Whistle Pig, Whistler, Thickwood Badger, Canada Marmot, Monax. I mean, it goes on. There Whoa. They go. Okay. Yeah. Well, Littles, information for life. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but the most, the thing we need to get out of Groundhog Day the most is, I think we'd all agree, if you haven't seen the movie, you really should see the movie, right? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All the way through. Well, once yeah. you see the first part, you've seen it all. I have to it get just keeps on going that. back and back. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> so, so, yeah, definitely check out the movie Littles if you haven't. I'm sure most of you have. We hope you have a great Groundhog Day. And Roxy, tell them how they can get in touch with us. Email us at wtfcpodnet at gmail.com. Tweet us at Loyal Littles Pod or check us out on Facebook. Our Facebook page is the Loyal Littles Podcast. All right, you three. Thank you, as always. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Roxy. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. And as always, if you're out shopping online tonight, use the codes. Roxy, are you not using the code? No, I wanted to hear them do it. Because I always say it. Oh, okay. Just want to make sure you're using the code. That's all. Oh, I'm using the code. Because as you know, everything is sales. Skirt down my waist, and telling me how much you love. 
The Loyal Littles Podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. Oh, yeah.